Hey everyone, welcome back. This is a bonus episode that I wanted to add on to the last episode that we did about pixycephalus with uh, Dr. Caroline Lotter, which I'm, so I'm trying so hard to get her name right every time, but um, she does a lot of work with bats and I thought it would be interesting to run a little extra content here so that she can discuss some of her work with, with bats and uh, in terms of conservation and management and study. So uh, I want to welcome her back. So Caroline, welcome back again. Thank you. <laughs> so in the last episode, we talked about pixycephalus, but you do a lot of work with, with bats. Do you want to maybe tell us a little bit about uh, what you do with bats and what the implications are in terms of the their ecology and whatnot? Sure. So the work that we do is, is um, related to um, impact assessment. And um, I would say the majority of our work uh, is related to assessing the potential or the impact of uh, proposed and operational wind farm developments on bats um, in South and Southern Africa. We do also uh, do impact assessment uh, surveys uh, for uh, bat caves that will potentially be impacted by um, by various types of developments. But like I say, um, most of the time we are focused on wind farm developments. Is this in terms of you want to preserve the bats in the wild and be able to develop infrastructure accordingly? Or are there, are there any other reasons? Like, uh, by that, I mean, obviously I, I hate to drag COVID into it, but the public opinion of bats has sort of focused on their role in, in disease and whatnot. Does any of that factor into the work as well in terms of how to maintain a safe relationship between large colonies of bats and people? So yeah, so our our work is is essentially limited to um, quantifying and recommending mitigations uh, mitigation measures to avoid or otherwise um, uh, minimize um, the impact on bats of um, specifically wind tur turbines. So in other words, looking at um, mitigating the, um, the fatality of bats uh, that, is, that is caused from their collision with turbine blades, uh, but then also mitigating the impact on bats from the, you know, the destruction of bat roosts um, and bat uh, and other bat important resources like uh, certain wetlands or riparian corridors or important foraging areas or important migration routes that kind of thing um so we we don't we don't look at um uh, uh, bats as as potential ve uh, vectors for disease well that's re that's refreshing to hear i just feel like a lot of the public attention, and I'm sure a tremendous amount of research has been dedicated towards that topic at the expense of ignoring other areas that need study, like what you just mentioned. 
I mean, what are some of the risks to bats from from wind farms? You, you'd mentioned, I guess, events where they could have uh, strikes with the equipment. Is that similar to, like here in the U.S., we have issues with bird strikes where they'll be on a, an air, uh, you know, like on a uh, on a runway, and they have to be cleared so that they don't uh, hurt themselves or do damage to the uh, to the aircraft. Is that something similar over there? Yes. So the main concern is the are the bat strikes, the collision of um, flying bats with um, the moving turbine blades. Um, there is uh, there is also a risk of of barrow trauma, which is um, the injury or fatality of bats that is caused um, from damage of their lungs. Um, and 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 the 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 lung damage is as a result is caused when the bats um, uh, suffer a sudden difference in air pressure um, within the pro- the proximity of the split spinning blades. Um, so so yes, yeah, so it's it's the fatality from. Um, Collision with with the turbine blades, their fatality from barrow trauma, uh, but then it's also um, their their possible displacement from areas due to their possible dis- uh, avoidance of wind farms, um, or, you know, areas where there are turbines. So displacement of bats from from habitat that they would have otherwise occupied, um, and then it's also um, Know, degradation or disturbance or destruction of 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 um, areas that they would have previously um, used for drinking or foraging or uh, migrating that kind of thing. Which species of bats are we talking about? And how, is this a number of different species? Is a more general approach, or is this more of a more of a species specific approach? Um, so we we consider all bats, but but there are certainly um, some bat species that are more uh, that face a higher risk than others. You know, some bat species like the rhinolophus bat um, here in South Africa, they they spend the majority of their time close to the ground. They they prey on insects. Uh, you know, on 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 and around vegetation, um, whereas others other bats, um, so, such as Tadarida and uh, Neuromycia, um, which which are your aerial foraging bats, they face a much higher risk of uh, of collision and barrow trauma uh, because they spend a lot of their time. Um, uh, up in the air, um, high up from ground level. So yeah, so so we we tend to focus on the bat species which face a high risk of um, of collision um, and barrow trauma. Um, fortunately, those species um, are mostly common and widespread species in South Africa. But we do have, for example, the Natal uh, long-fingered bat, a species of Miniopteris um, that is migratory. 
um, um, that that is that is also a high risk species. Um, and the additional concern with the Natal long fingered bat, as with all other cave roosting bats, is that they are dependent on um, you know caves as as important habitats and you know, caves are obviously um, far and few between uh, and so the disturbance of a particular cave can have a a massively uh, adverse impact on 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 bats not only in a particular locality but but for an entire region or possibly even at a national level um, so so yeah we 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 look at um we we tend to focus on the bats which face the highest risk of disturbance um but but we 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 don't disregard the other species um we do always try to maintain a like a a, a holistic perspective on things it is interesting and it must be a very delicate balance because you have an effort that is designed to create wind farms which is supposed to be more environmentally friendly and more more conscientious of the earth and at the same time you have to worry about those very same wind farms displacing species that i don't know it it must it must be tough trying to trying to balance the two uh, the two efforts together yes um you know i often I often think about that, you know. Uh, you know, on the I mean, on the one hand, I'm very concerned about climate change, and I I I see um, wind and solar as 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 a as an important means of um, kind of you know re, you know re- reducing greenhouse gas emissions and you know from 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 the burning of fossil fossil fuels, but but at the same time, I often, I often think, you know, when, when, are, when is humanity going to draw a line and say, you know, enough is enough? Because the problem with wind farms is that these turbines have a, a fairly short lifespan, and then, and then one sits with all this material that was used to construct the wind turbine, um, and. And um, you know, I just I wonder. Okay, you know that that in itself is an environmental impact. And to what extent is all that material going to be recycled and reused? And you know, it's kind of it's six of the one, half a dozen of the other. Really, it's just um, I don't I don't I don't really see wind and solar as it is currently being developed as being a a solution to uh, the Earth's um, climate problem. It's it's it's. Uh, I think I think we we need to do a lot more. We need, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder about stuff like my stuff like that myself. I mean, for, for example, there's been a trend in the past. I guess. We could say the past 15, 20 years, people like to drink bottled water. People are more concerned about the, the, the quality of the water that they drink. But <laughs> you're leaving behind these massive piles of, of, of bottles that, uh, to me, doesn't seem makes a lot of sense. But Exactly. I, I yeah. don't know. I guess it's just, um, 
I think the hardest thing, the hardest thing I think to do with people is to, well, I, I'm sorry. It's easy to sell an idea to someone. It's, it's another matter entirely to try and take that idea back. And I think that that might be uh, part of the problem is people get very adamant about a certain problem and they get, they get very, very excited about how they're going to resolve it and you sell them on a solution and then you realize that that's not necessarily the most appropriate <laughs> choice. And then people get kind of frustrated and they, you know, then they call you out on it and it can get ugly. But I, I don't yes. know. I, I have to ask you, though, as, as, as a person who appreciates bats, megacoroptera or microcoroptera? Which one's your favorite? <laughs> you know, I, I guess something that I, I perhaps I wanted to mention earlier is the, is the fact that, um, you know, I... I never really, I, I never studied the bullfrog because I had a a a specific fascination for amphibians, and it's the same same with the bats. It's, you know, I'm not working on bats specifically because I'm, you know, I I I have this 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 keen fascination and interest in bats. You know, I certainly do, but but I, my, my, my love and interest and my passion is for, is for all things living. And I just, you know, the bullfrog and the bats have just happened to kind of come across my path. And, and so that's, that's what I've worked on. But, um, yeah, I, I, I feel all, all living creatures, all species, um, all ecosystems are important and and precious and and deserving of attention and conservation and so it doesn't you know i'm not particularly it's for me it's not really um you know it's uh, it doesn't matter what i work on so long as it's <laughs> so so long as it's um so long as i can make a difference i guess <laughs> no i understand yeah it's it's not so much about uh, all, 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 it's not so much about, you know, red crayon, blue crayon, yellow crayon. It's about all the crayons in the box being something together as a whole. I, I get you. I totally understand that. I do want to ask, I do want to ask you though, and we'd, we'd, you'd briefly mentioned it in, in the, in the episode we did about pixie cephalus, but I, I kind of glossed over it and I wish I hadn't. So I'd like to address this. Uh, you, you'd mentioned that you had met Jane Goodall. And that meeting her was a particularly influential moment for you. I mean, Jane Goodall obviously has this presence in, in the natural world, obviously from her work with primates. And I, I really can't think of anybody who's on par with her in terms of the accomplishments and just the um, having such a big persona. What was it like meeting her? And like, what did you what did you take away from Jane Goodall? I guess what really impressed me the most was how humble she is, and she's accomplished so much, and she, she's made she's made such a massive difference. Um, yet she is so um, so humble, and and I just you know she, you clearly you know she. It's it's not it's not about her. It's not about her reputation. It's not about it's not about 
personal accomplishment for her. It's a, it's about, it's about cultivating um, an appreciation and a respect and a and a, and a love in people for for um, for for non-human life, I guess. Um, and and I just you know that really resonated with me and. Uh, yeah, I think I think that that is what what's so inspiring for me. <laughs> it's interesting how she had just. Uh, I I don't want. I mean, obviously, I've never met her, but just from what I've seen, some of her presentations and some of the interviews that she's done, it's incredible how she has this this amazing relationship with people. For just like you said, she seems so humble, and um, she just seems to have this this presence about her that offers people confidence and, and, and trust and compassion for the natural world around them, which I think is, uh, I always thought that was a very admirable quality because to me it always seemed like she gave each cause the, not just the attention, but it needed, but also the compassion, but like within reason, if, if that makes sense. I, I don't care much for mm-hmm. people who sensationalize things. And I always admired the way that she didn't make the studies of primates about how aggressive they were or how much, you know, it, it was just a way of, of bringing an issue that no one, most people on the earth would never have any idea even existed to public attention without even bringing her, you know, her own personality or whatever into, into the equation, you know, just being so humble about it, I guess I could say. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Well, I'm glad we got to talk about, uh, you know some of your work with bats and and uh, you know your uh, meeting with Jane Goodall but um i just i wanted to just ask you for your website again for anybody else who is 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 looking um in Kululeko wildlife services you're in south africa do you want to just give uh, the listeners the website in case they have any uh, you know any interest in um checking out what you do there in a little bit more detail sure sure it's um it's um IWS hyphen SA dot CO dot ZA um, I'm sorry, I was yeah. I, I here in the US we have the dot com at the end. I didn't mean to <laughs> I didn't mean to pause. I, uh, I, I just, I mean, just, just so everyone out there knows this is, this is a, a, a transcontinental interview. And, um, I, I was kind of confused about how to even dial the, te- the telephone number because there's so many numbers in it. And then, uh, the same thing with the websites, you've got a little bit of a different format with the website. So when I, when I went to email you, uh, originally I, I had to double check it several times because I wasn't sure if I had, uh, if I had done done it correctly, so I apologize for that. <laughs> no, yeah. don't worry. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have we have a Facebook page, but I must I must admit we haven't updated it in a long time. Um, it, it's something that we um, we we really need to attend to. Um, but um, yes, you you can people are welcome to look us up on Facebook as well. Um, they can simply use uh, search using using the company's name in Kululeku. Great, great. Well, listen, I want to thank you again for uh, you know giving us some extra content here because I've always been fascinated by bats and the study of bats, and 
I think that you brought some very, very interesting uh, subjects up for discussion. And, you know, I hope you guys appreciated this. Again, sometimes it's fun to do a little bonus episode. I know that a lot of us are primarily interested in frogs, but I think it's important to take interest in, in other aspects of the natural world and just makes you really just a more well-rounded individual. So, uh, you know, for everybody who uh, caught this episode and checked it out, I hope you liked it. And I'll catch up with you guys again soon.